0: I am so excited to have you on the Sela podcast today. Um, For everyone that's listening, Nyambi, she is going to tell us exactly who she is through and we're going to learn who she is through her work. And she's going to tell us a little bit about one of her latest projects, which is a book called What Color Is Your Soul? I think this book is imperative for what we're going through culturally right now. Um, it gives a different perspective on race that I think is refreshing, and most importantly, healing. It gets to the root of what's going on rather than the surface level. Um, so, Nyambi, how are you today?
1: I am doing wonderful. Thank you for this opportunity to share, Katie.
0: Of course. Funny story for everyone. I was reading this book, I'm still kind of confused in how this book even came across my site, but I'm reading the book and my good friend Deanna, she tells me that, oh, you know, there's this woman that I wanna introduce you to. I feel like you guys have a lot in common. So she puts us on an email thread together, introducing us. And I'm looking at the name, and I, I promise you, this book is on my nightstand next to me. And I'm looking at the name in the email and I'm like, I'm, this name just sounds so familiar. Why do I know it? Why do I know it? And it wasn't until a few minutes <laughs> later when I look, I'm looking at the book and I'm like, Nyambi. <laughs> like, what? And I go back to my email and I look at your last name. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is, this is the most divine introduction I have ever had so yeah <laughs> I am over the moon to have you on this podcast
1: uh, oh and I am too and and when uh, when I got your email just in the introduction it was really interesting because I didn't know you know how it came about either and then when you shared that story I just just those kinds of things just happened so Um, I have, I I feel like this book was, came through me in a divine way. And so, um, you know, I tell my angels and spirit guides and all of that, that you all will have to be my promoter for this because this was a divine project. And so, um, you all will have to get it out there. So when things happen, I know they're on the case. So
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. And this book goes for everything I stand by, um, With the work that I do, Mm. I try to promote the fact that a lot of these problems that we're seeing culturally today can't be healed Mm -hmm. by policy, and it can't be healed by pointing the blame outside of ourselves or trying to make someone else feel bad or victimizing someone else for a victim kind of mentality that has been placed on a specific group. Um, Mm. Speaking of Black people right now, but I feel like the healing is going to start within all of us, not just one specific group. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write this book?
1: Let's see. I think there were various points. And I I think at this point in my life, everything that has kind of led up to that, to this space, I've been doing a lot of personal development work and been facilitating for many years now and just kind of got pulled into the trajectory of all of this conversation around race and DEI work. And I have a, um, a small firm called Cross Cultural Agility LLC and, and I do DEI work. Um, but one of the things that I felt like and still feel like is missing in the broader conversation is spirituality. Um, we're trying to solve a problem without all the pieces and I think that's what, when I, when I said okay to, to this book, literally the title came and it's What Colors Your Soul, Healing the Illusion of Our Separateness, because I think that ultimately we're trying to solve a problem without all of the pieces. And so this is just another piece of the puzzle of, of working through this um DEI conversation, diversity, equity, inclusion, or however you want to call it justice, um social justice, all of those components can't really be, be solved if we don't bring our spirituality in. And so, um, this is just another piece to that puzzle. And it started off, the book started, I was in the, sh- in the shower and, um, at the very beginning of the book when I, you know, this is my third book. and So I, I, the the process is very organic for me. So uh, I was in the shower and clear as day, I heard the words, why do they hate us so? Mm. And um, I could feel that that was like the introduction of a much longer thread of consciousness. And so I said like, wait, hold up, hold up. Let me get out of the shower because I can't write (laughs) anything down here. (laughs) Hold that thought. And I uh, got out of the shower, got my, my pen and paper. And that was the beginning of how the book started with the introductory story of Akna and her children. And um, literally that whole story came in one sitting as I was sitting and just felt like I was journaling it through. And that became kind of the, the, the soul of the book of explaining how we were all in, in kind of a mythical story slash partly um, historical, you know, but, you know, kind of mythical in a sense of telling the story of humanity and how we became divided into all of these different cultures and, and ethnicities and what is needed for us to get back together. And so when that story came through, it just felt like it was giving me permission to to really speak on this and through a spiritual lens and and helping us not a religious lens, but definitely from a spiritual aspect to help us to really realize that we are all one and that we all come from the same divine source. And what we're trying to heal right now is a lot of ancestral trauma um, that is within all of us, within all of us. Um, And so once we understand that, then we can, nothing heals until it becomes what it is. So once we understand what it is, then we can really be more conscious and intentional about how do we heal.
0: That is amazing. And there's a a little portion of the book that I'm gonna read to people where you said, it is challenging to come together to address race because we have always attempted to discuss it from the perspective of racism and the systems we have inherited. When we start there, it's easy to lay the false foundation that we are different races, and consciously playing that false narrative that only further exaggerates our differences. It heightens our fear and mistrust and highlights our painful historic past. When we tackle the problem while excruciating, we we then tackle the problem while excruciating pain or in deep denial. Mm -hmm. And basically when I read that and then after hearing what you just said, it really made me think about how usually when you see race and spirituality, especially especially lately being tackled, it seems like we're bringing race into the the race problem, into Mm -hmm. the spiritual realm instead of healing the race problem Mm -hmm. in the spiritual realm. There's I don't know if you're aware of the Kabbalion, but- one of mm-hmm. the um, laws is so below as above so below mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people are bringing so below our below level problems like race and violence and mm-hmm. bringing those aspects and spiritually rather than using these spiritual practices to heal race mm-hmm. so I love that
1: Well, and there's a there's another conversation that's in popular consciousness is that you know people, when you talk about spirituality, when it comes to racism and people say, oh, you're trying to do a spiritual bypass. And my answer to that would be, yeah, I am. <laughs> because if you live in like cities that have a, you know, when I think of the, the highway system, like in Atlanta, where you have, um, I forget the highway that goes, I think it's 20 that goes right through the city and then there's a bypass there's another highway that goes around it but you you can take either route you can go straight through the city or you can take the bypass which is less traffic more you know less distraction you probably get there faster but you wind up at the same destination mm-hmm. and i think that either path there are people that take that decide to go straight through the pain and we're going to go straight to the through the pain and and through the disconnection and all of those things. That's a route. I choose to go a different route. I think that part of the reason that we get stuck in traffic, so to speak, is that we're trying to to solve this. If we took if we brought our spiritual consciousness into it, then we have more resources, more tools, um, a different perspective, and then we. Can can tackle the problem it doesn't mean that the problem goes away but we will have more efficacy to do it with um, and so yes I do this um very consciously have decided to take the more spiritual route because I believe that um once you take that route you can kind of see the falsehoods and everything you know the fact that it's like we're not even we, we've got some cognitive dissonance going on because in one breath we'll say that we're all part of the human race and then we'll say that we're different races now which which one is it <laughs> right and so when we understand that race the whole concept of race was made up it was made up um now it's it has spawned some some matter or 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 that that's tangible which is racism but the whole concept of us being different races was a made up and so we're trying to solve a a real problem with a false foundation and so that's why it's got us spinning in circles Mm -hmm. and if we could come together and realize that we are all on the spectrum of of humanity and crazy is crazy because crazy's had some crazy stuff happen (laughs) (laughs) you know And that we are all, you know, you know, I also use in the book, for instance, this one, this analogy of the water, you know, if we think of divine source as this wonderful of the ocean. And so if you were to go to to the ocean right now and take a glass, an empty glass, and just fill your, you know, go to the, the edge of the water, fill your glass up with ocean water, take it back to your house, however many miles inland you want. Whatever is in that cup is still ocean water, no matter how far away it is from the, the big, vast ocean. Now, the, the ocean is, is very immense, and I mean, it's got so many things in it and so much life, but everything that's in the ocean is also in that cup in just an infinitesimal, minute, you know, little particles, but everything that's in it is, is in that as well. And so for us, If we are, if we all emanate from the divine source, what makes us not vibrate at that level? What makes us not vibrate at that level is that we don't, you know, I wish, like the stories we used to be told when we were little, that the stork would come and just deliver us on the doorstep. And that, you know, in that analogy, if if the stork came and just brought us, we would have no history. to to think of, we would be just like a brand new being on the planet, but that's not what happens. We come through, I am made up of the cells from my mother and father. And so in their DNA and their cellular memory and their, you know, all of that, that's what formed me. So that's what was in my cup before I even came here. So I've got all of that stuff. So we, none of us come here as as a pure clean cup. We've got ancestral history. And so what we're trying to solve, you know, when we see each other and interact, that's why things get so volatile. And we can kind of bring up this rage is because it's ancestral rage. It's stuff that's in our cup. And so our job, it, it, I believe, is to clean up our cup because you can't solve anything when you're in anger, pain, guilt, frustration, and fear. None of that will produce anything.
0: I completely agree and one thing I, I've i personally seen is I feel like a lot of people they may understand the race problem but mm-hmm. what they don't understand is spirituality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I feel like spirituality and religion have been mm-hmm. so tied together that if mm-hmm. you aren't consider if you don't consider yourself a spiritual I mean a religious person, you have kind of given up on the understanding of right. spirituality and you said that you right. believe that right. this is a spiritual consciousness problem so how would you suggest that for someone who has never really dipped into spirituality or anything like that, how do they begin solving this spiritual problem without mm-hmm. A religious guideline.
1: Yeah, and I and I think that that is there to me. This is in the the, the truth according to Niambi. Oh, take it <laughs> for whatever, whatever that's worth. But this has worked for me for almost sixty years. And what I believe that there's two different. Um, it's like apples and oranges. Religion and spirituality. Rel- religion is about the rituals. It's about the practice. It's about um, it's about the the rituals and rules. And it is about the form, it's the form. It's what we do in order to, um, to have a spiritual price, like the training wheels. And spirituality for me is the substance, it's the relationship. So, so religion, all religions point you to spirituality, help you to remember um, your relationship with divine source, but it, it's just the teacher. And so you can't, at some point you, ha- you have to graduate. You, you know, those lessons are just there to to teach you. You know, and, and again, if I use the analogy of the training wheels, at some point you get to learn how to ride your bike. Um, and that's the relationship of spirituality. A lot of people say, well, how do I become more spiritual? You know, I, I'm not very spiritual. Well, you are spiritual spirit you already are spiritual because you're a spiritual being you know we already know that you are not the physical body that you get to inhabit if that were true when you um transition or leave the body uh your body would go with you you know you would just kind of vaporize but you you leave the body and your spirit leaves the body so this is you know i analogize this in the um In the book about this is these are like our earth suits this is what we get to ride around in while we're here on this planet almost like an astronaut when he goes to another planet you have to have on special gear in order to be on that on a on in space you have to have an astronaut suit on so if you're here on earth you need a physical body in order to get around and to do um to enjoy this planet so you are a spiritual being in a physical body. And so you don't have to become spiritual. You are spirit because when you finish this, whatever your belief system is, you're going to leave the planet there. You know, everybody is going to leave. There's no other way out. You know, I've never heard of anybody taking their body with them, you know, when you leave here because you're not the body. And so it's just understanding. And once you open up your consciousness to understand that we are, you're all part of, we're all part of the ocean. We're all part of that divine ocean. And so we just get to be a little bit of that in our, in our own little bodies, in our, in our earth suits. And this is like our container and our job is to clean our cup. You know, we're, we, we have a lot of consciousness around cleaning up the planet and our water and, and, and all of that, those external ecosystems. But we we if we had the same passion to cleaning up our internal ecosystems, then I think we would come a long way in this conversation, especially around race. Mm-hmm. But we're and um, in, in racism. But we're we're so focused on the external that we forget the internal. That's where the real work is, um, because you can't. You know, it's like if your cup is dirty and you're trying to help other people. Don't nobody want to drink from a dirty cup, you know? So, so the best way is to clean up our own cups, so that then we're adding more pure water, a higher vibration to the planet. And that's only by doing your your work and the work. You know, people. You know, they they talk about well. You know, now in this society we talk about being woke. Well, after woke comes the work. What is you know the work is to do your your work to clean up your cup to make sure that you are vibrating at a higher vibration.
0: Wow. And I think it's interesting that in this spiritual world, especially in the yoga world and things like that, you've, it's from in my personal experience, it's been pretty rare to find people of color who, especially in America, who are mm-hmm. allowing themselves to be open spiritually even though Mm -hmm. to be black in America is so heavily tied to Christianity and Mm -hmm. I have grown a great reverence for Christianity Um, but that came Mm -hmm. through opening myself up spiritually but um, have you noticed that in today's world of Christianity we're kind of producing a lot of, I don't wanna say unawakened spiritual beings, but do you find there's a polarity between spiritual consciousness and Christianity?
1: Um, I think that that could be an individual, um, I, I don't like ever, speaking in absolutes. But I think that, I mean, I come out of Christianity. I'm a product of Christianity. Um, I went to Catholic schools my entire life until until college. And then my father was Catholic, my mother was Baptist. So even when I went to, to Catholic schools during the week, I was in Baptist church, um, singing in the Baptist choir, um, on the weekends, all day on the weekends, Saturday, <laughs> all day, Sunday. So um, so religion, as I have grown up and, and I have mad respect for Christianity and Jesus, um, the Christ, Messiah, however, whatever you want want to call, um, that it's ironic that the way he lived with is, he came pretty much anti-religion. <laughs> He came and he was against the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the laws and all of that. And ironically, when he departed, he became a religion. And so for me, when I look at like the Sermon on the Mount and things like that, when you follow the radical teachings of Jesus and what Jesus would say is greater things, you know, know, this I'm doing, but greater things are also you can do. And that's within you, and so in that understanding, um, I, I look at religion as a language, and I'm multilingual, and I can speak Christianity, I can speak Buddhism, I can speak Taoism, I can speak, um, you know, you know, various other religions. Um, I have respect for them because I think as the ultimate truth, it's all about love. And they're just languages. They're just ways for people to relate to that higher source. And so um, it's not, again, it's, it's, a tr- it's the training wheels. It's, it's to get you, the, it's the practice, but it's not the, the relationship. And so I think for your, to answer your question, I think Christianity is evolving. We are evolving. Um, we are not in the same space as when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s. And even, even having this kind of conversation would have been taboo because uh, everything was pagan and against, you know, but now there's so much consciousness flooding in that people are beginning to, this is truly the, the age of information. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything that you want to know, Google it or or you know, YouTube, somebody's made a video, somebody's got some commentary, there's somebody that's written a book about it. Um so it's not for lack of knowledge. And I think people are becoming more alive and alert to who they are. Um just because information is more, more available and people are beginning to question, um, not only questioning the powers that be, but just questioning why we do the things that we do. And yoga and meditation, you know, when I was growing up, you couldn't even say meditation because it was just prayer. You couldn't, you couldn't even talk about meditation, which, you know, it was all pagan and, and, and um, against God, depending on the Christian, the form of Christianity that you were in. But if you Christian, um, wouldn't look at anything, yoga was taboo. So, you know, being old enough to see that, you know, we are evolving, we, we're, we're not stagnant. And even as a collective consciousness, we're kind of moving with, with each new generation that's coming through. I'm very hopeful um, because we're having this podcast today, which, which you know, many years ago, you wouldn't even have an audience for because people couldn't even um, engage in a conversation or even listen to where something of this caliber would even resonate with them. So I think our vibrations are, are being raised even in the struggle, even in the in what looks like a struggle right now, but I think people are evolving. They're just not always as vocal about it because there is a a push pull between religion and spirituality of the things that I knew as a child and I grew up on, and then what do I know as a as an adult and the experience my lived experience, my relationship with divine source god jesus and i'm not offended if any you know whatever terms and i try to use a multiplicity of terms because it's just language you know it's just language to me and so i can if i'm in a in a group of christians i can quote scripture i can give you parables from the bible i can i speak christianity (laughs) you know and if i'm with someone who is more islamic i can speak that too so it's just um they're just languages to me. They're just languages to help you to what's most important to me is the relationship. Mm-hmm. How are you plugged in? It don't, it doesn't matter what what you're using to plug in, just are the lights on. Do you have electricity right. <laughs> in your mobile home? <laughs> you know, I don't care how you get plugged in. But if that's working for you, just are your lights on. Do you have some connection? Mm-hmm. Because that's how we solve this. Can't do nothing in the dark.
0: And I feel like through that relationship that you have with your higher power with Christ, with whoever you have as your higher power, I feel like that is how you get to see yourself. And when you see yourself, it changes what you accept, I guess. So for me, I had my my background as Christianity as well. My mom's a pastor, grew up in the church and I Mm -hmm. do consider myself a Christian. And when all of these race things Um, started happening, it was hard for me as a black woman to identify with the narratives that were being embraced at that time, because that's not who I knew myself to be. It was hard for me to identify as oppressed.
1: Can you speak on that? What, What do you mean?
0: It was hard for me to identify myself as an oppressed person because that's not how Mm -hmm, I felt. mm -hmm. And that's not who Mm -hmm. I knew myself to be through my relationship with God. So Mm -hmm. for those who are really settling into certain narratives that are being, this is not to say that there is not a lot of oppression that is happening to people of color this is all about the relationship you have with yourself and who you see yourself to be. And for me, I found Mm -hmm. that sense of self through relationship with God, but how can you suggest someone to build that relationship with God in order to see themselves correctly?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, if you, you know, I use a lot of analogies and, and, you know, if we go back to the analogy of water and this ocean and, you know, as in the Kabbalah, as above, so below. And and when we look at even externally what's happening, that we're manifested all of this toxicity in our environment, Um, the waters are polluted. There's pollution that is everywhere. And so our job is to clean up our own ecosystem and to make sure that we are clean, however you can, Get clean. If that's through your spiritual, um, your religion will help you to get clean. It will help you to develop those practices and principles. All of religion leads you to love. That's the. That's basically what it it leads you to a space of love and no fear. And so, depending on you know, and it doesn't um, matter what. That's that's pretty much the root of, of all religion is love. And so with racism, what's happening is that, again, it's not about our own individual experience. It's in the collective consciousness. It's what's in the water. It's the pollution that, you know, like when a little kid goes to the beach um, and it gets in the water, all of that toxicity from generations before are in the water. So it's not that person's res- I mean, that's, it's that person's responsibility to be aware of what's in the water, but also to put on your own um, hazmat suit, so to speak, so that you don't get further contaminated. And I think that part of what we're having a struggle with is that everybody has personalized it and thinking, well, well, that's not me, and and I don't have that experience. But it's in the water, and so if it's in the water, it's still affecting all of us because it's generational muck that we are responding to. You know, like I I think I mentioned this story in the book about how, um, you know, I've talked to people in the past, and they're you know white people and. Or people who identify as white and I you know I use the term black and white because that's what people understand but um, was saying you know well I don't I don't I don't have any slaves I never had y'all never picked no cotton and I have never you know had a slave and so so get over this whole race thing this is you know old stuff and I think that that's culturally, Um, kind of immature in the sense of not understanding how that the fact spiritually that we are all connected, that there is no linear connection, that we are all, I am, I am made up of the cells of my mother and my grandmother and her mother and her mother. And so there is a continuum of me. And if we can accept that that continuum happens, because when we look in the mirror, we can see, Oh, you got so-and-so, Uh, ancestors hair and -and so-and-so's, you know, your great uncle's um, smile or your, your father's ears and your grandmother's toes. So we know that on one level that we are made up of, of their physical stuff, but also within us is their energetic stuff too. Mm -hmm. And so part of our healing is understanding that when I heal, I'm healing generationally. I'm cleaning the water for my children. I'm cleaning the water so that this is not even vibrationally on the planet. So it's once we, and and again, it's understanding that we're all connected, that what you do, what I do affects all of us. And so when we can see our connection to one another, then there is no other. It's just us.
0: Yes. And that is what I personally felt during the initiation of the whole George Floyd thing I felt the collective pain I was having Mm -hmm. nightmares I felt Mm -hmm. I I felt that pain but in feeling that pain it didn't change it I still didn't feel oppressed I felt the pain the ancestral Mm -hmm. pain but it didn't Mm -hmm. It was almost like I was viewing it from a mm-hmm. from outside of being in the weeds from a higher narrative mm-hmm. um, but, yeah. but with understanding that we are all connected how do we begin to heal
1: well I think it's just like like you just kind of said it and 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 to say it in an unapologetic way um I'm gonna use another example, because I, I think in pictures, so excuse my <laughs> continual <laughs> analogy, but it's just like if you were to go to a doctor and you're in, you're in, in immense pain, you do not want your doctor standing there crying with you because you, and you crying, you know? <laughs> um, so there has to be some level of detached compassion and empathy and where you can even in the bible jesus wept okay Mm -hmm. um even and jesus had the full story Huh? i
0: was gonna say that's been on my mind what like jesus said when's the last time you wept and felt for humanity
1: right jesus had major compassion and he had the whole story so so It doesn't, and and he didn't have to be blind or a leper in order to feel the pain and compassion for humanity. Um, I I get very compassionate with people and I have empathy for all sides because we are in so much pain and it's unnecessary. Um, And so I weep for humanity that we have decided that the only way to get through this is through the realm of suffering. And, and that's a route like I said, you can go that route from suffering in the traffic and all of the accidents that happen and the road rage, or you can take a spiritual bypass and still be in it, but be at a, a higher vibration so that then you can be more of a help rather than part of the problem in a sense. So it's a compassionate detachment it has to happen. Just like for any healer, that you have to be detached and compassionate, but detached from the problem so that you don't get sick. So that you don't, you can't help anybody when you're in pain, fear, anger, guilt, or denial. The only space that you can be of service is if you're in a space of love. And so how do you get to love is that you've gotta do the work. You gotta, you know, just like when a doctor goes in for surgery, if they're gonna do surgery on somebody, the first thing they do is what they sterilize. They go wash their hands. They make sure that they're clean before you go and try. And I think what's happening, we're trying to do all of this social surgery and our hands aren't clean. We haven't done our own work to make sure that we are not doing any harm because we're in so much pain. And we think that the, the more we cry out and the more we're in pain that we'll somehow this will get fixed and it, it becomes the form of psychosis or s- insanity because we keep, you know, it's like if something's not working, we just do more of it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah we'll, little, just be, we'll just keep doing, we'll be. do more. <laughs> right. And it's, Yeah. So, so it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a different way of, of, what we're doing isn't working. And so I'm just offering a a different narrative that is working. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we're sitting off on the mountain, um, totally devoid of the pain, but I know that I can't be of service until I clean up the pain that's within me. Now this didn't just come as some aha. I've done a lot of work around making sure that I'm healing the ancestral wounds. I'm, and I use my own personal story um, in the book. I think in like one of the first, chapter one is my personal why. And I give the story of when I was a little girl and, and uh, or when I went away to college and my first um, encounter with uh, racism, for real, because I grew up on the south side of Chicago in a very insulated um, Black neighborhood. You know, I didn't, I didn't see white people until, you know, of course, at the Catholic school, there were nuns, but I didn't really interact with people until I got out into the world myself. So I share that narrative of, of what that was. And that was part of probably the work that I'm doing right now, because even then um an incident happened and i don't i don't want to take up all the time to tell that story but it could have changed we would have been recording this from jail <laughs> <laughs> you, know, <'cause laughs> you know my whole life could have been taken into a whole different direction um but i think at that point i realized that my work was my work it was my i didn't respond with ability, you know, that's what responsibility is to be able to respond with ability. And so I've got to make sure that I have the ability in order to respond and not react Mm -hmm. um, to anything that's happening in life. And so that's an inside job. And so I've taken that very seriously because I've seen that how one mistake can change the trajectory of your life. Now, when i was growing up it was before everybody was a mandated reporter you know you you know you just look at tiktok instagram you know youtube you see all of these people who are acting out in real time people are recording you in real time whether you like it or not so you don't get to that's why a lot of people are very tenuous about you know wanting to do the right thing politically being politically correct and it's it's a lot of stress because you know, at any moment somebody could be recording you, and so it—I don't know—it's—it's—it's—it it, makes it very challenging for people to have authentic conversations. But on the other hand, it also helps us to be mindful of everything that we do when we're in public or even in private, because everybody is a mandated reporter. Um, so, so my job is to make sure that I am representing myself before somebody else represents me or puts me out there. And that means that I have to do some self I gotta be looking in my own mirror. I don't want somebody out, you know, taking a picture of me with a big booger snot or or, or snot hanging out my nose that I don't know about, you know, and it goes viral. So the best thing for me to do to avoid that is to look in the mirror. To make sure so I've got to look at me if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I resonate so deeply with your perspective and one of the things I question with me in my work is is it my calling or my purpose to share this perspective or is it my role to navigate the healing process And I know you have shared your perspective, via this book and your other books and through your work, but I know you also, you have a school and you're doing things to cultivate Mm -hmm. healing. So how would you, how do you suggest that, what are different modalities that you navigate others to clean their hands or heal?
1: Well, I think, you know, even... In having this conversation and your podcast, the work that you're doing with, you know, your podcast is helping people to shift in their consciousness, um, because when you know a thing, you can't unknow it, you can't unsee it, you can't unhear it. So, <laughs> so having the balance of information out there, you know, is also a work. Um, at this stage for me i know that part of my assignment here is to teach is to is to be a a teacher but in order to do that i've got to make sure that i am um correct that that i'm not teaching something that i don't live teaching things that i don't believe that i haven't proven for myself um and so I don't think I'm finished. I think that you know we're all on this um, on the spectrum. You know, if we're all part of the human family, and I think of like in a family, there are older siblings and then there are younger siblings, and the older siblings are there to to model and, the, and to teach the younger siblings. I came from a family of it was seven of us, and I'm a middle child, and so I had three older brothers, three three older siblings, three younger siblings. Um, three brothers, three sisters, and I was literally right in the middle. And so there, and I, my older siblings, they got spankings they got whoopings, they got all that discipline. And when it came to me, I didn't have to get any of that because I learned from, I, you know, I watched them. <laughs> I saw what to do and what not to do. And so there was value in having people ahead of me that They could teach me things. And then, you know, in turn, you teach the the next group behind you. So I think that in the human family, that's what we all do. We teach what we know. And so as we know more, we're able to model that. We're able to share that. Um, Because what is knowledge if you don't share it? You know, I could have all of this perspective and, and think I'm all great. But if I'm not sharing with anybody, then what value is it? if everybody is connected to me. So I want every part of me, uh, every reflection of divine source to be at the highest vibration possible. And so that means that I do my part and, and I learn from the teachers that are uh, ahead of me and I share the knowledge that they um, freely share. And so we're we're learning and growing, but I don't think that we're all And everybody has to to find their passion. Um, I love all the different expressions. You can learn so much through through dance and there's some fierce poets out here and artists um, and acting and song that that share the narrative of our times, but also give us hope um, in the future, you know? And so music is a wonderful vehicle um, to, you know, to look ahead and to give us hope and, and, and resources. When I think of some of the songs that I grew up on, like Marvin Gaye is the first one that came to mind and it's on what's going on and, and the temptations, ball of confusion, helping us to see the reality, but then being able to, once you see it, then now you can choose something to help heal it, but you can't help heal anything if you can't even see it you know so i think that there's all different modalities of everybody has to do what feels good to their soul
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that it's no longer what's just play
0: well i have one other question and i did not expect to even ask this ask this or co- go here but when it comes to healing and teaching i have mixed feelings around when I see different programs or different healing sessions and things that are for women of color only or people of color Mm -hmm. only. And Mm -hmm. while I understand the safety behind that, and I know that feeling safety and in community is so important when you open yourself up spiritually and I also debate with this because I also in my head understand that there are a specific group of people that need to be touched right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard time conceptualizing right. the separateness when I understand it. Mm-hmm. It's just that um, for me, for example, with my dual services that I'm offering, mm-hmm. the problem That I was trying to fix with my doula services is the high black maternity rate and Mm -hmm. I truly believe it's a spiritual problem I think there's physical problems in there but the my doula services are to treat that specific problem but I have a hard Mm -hmm. time allowing myself to say that my services are for women of color only
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I, my answer to that is, you know, in, right before the book, I'm, um, and this is how I even met Deanna, was that she volunteered for a summer camp that I had created um, based on a book that I had written called Project Butterfly. And then it was Camp Butterfly. And I ran that camp from 20, 2003 to 2015. And it was specifically for girls of African descent, unapologetically. Um, and the reason for that is that there was a certain collective trauma and understanding and experience that, um, these girls were having and as women, you know, in urban areas and, and such just identifying as, as a black woman, um, there's a certain, um, cultural understanding. And so I chose to create a vehicle where um, people could come, for, for where girls and women could come to, to heal a psychologically safe space where you didn't have to be anything other than what you are. And what happens with different groups like when you have a circle of women i don't care who the women or men if you had a whole group of men devoid of it it didn't matter it doesn't matter what cultural or ethnicity um, they were if you had a, a mixed cultural group of men and they all were in a circle if a woman came into that space it would change the conversation it would change the dynamic it would change everything in the room and and vice versa. If there was a whole group of women and one man or a man came into the group, it changes the conversation. It changes the energy. It changes everything. So what I wanted to create, and that's with any group, you, you have a group of young people, and then you add somebody older, it's going to change the dynamic. Um, so it's, it's a, collective consciousness piece of being able to be with people who you don't have to explain the experience. You don't have, there's a certain cohesive understanding within the group, an unspoken understanding um, that happens when you're around people who share their experience or it's sharing. That's why, you know, when you're in therapy groups or um, Alcoholics Anonymous or are, are groups are, are popular where, you know, You're with people who share that same experience of trauma. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is open to people for anybody, but it's specifically geared to a group experience. And so I think there's value in those kinds of experiences, but it doesn't have to be the only experience. Right now, I work with people of all cultures, um, but I think that there is a time and space for people to just you know, be with other people who are like-minded so that you can, there's a certain level of understanding or understanding that happens. And then from that, you can use that as a vehicle for healing. If you don't use it for a vehicle for healing, it just further becomes a, a click.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Or something. Then there's the insiders and the outsiders. hmm
0: that's exactly how I feel, and then, like you said, there's um it's, when you give the example of if you have a group of whole, a younger people and an older person comes, it changes the dynamic, and it makes me feel like while I d- I do understand and see a place, definitely see a place for healing centers and at, at healing with the specific group, I feel like mm-hmm. when the dynamic changes, it also can mm-hmm. provide something unique. I know you talked about in your book when mm-hmm. you had a roommate in college who mm-hmm. was white, mm-hmm. identified as white, and it changed the dynamic of that mm-hmm. living mm-hmm. situation. And it pushed you mm-hmm. to a different spot. And I grew up in a... Um, white affluent neighborhood. And I had to, it changed the dynamic completely me being one of the only black kids in the school. And it pushed me to understand a different narrative and see two sides of things. While I resonated with my black roots and, and loved my family and was super involved in my family. I also had an understanding that a lot of my family didn't have of white culture. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the end, it benefited me and my friends who identified as white because they were mm-hmm. able to be immersed in my world, mm-hmm. my home life with my family. Mm-hmm. And I was also immersed in theirs. So, mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, there's definitely yeah. value on all sides. Um, you know, I think that that's, that helps with our understanding yeah. of each other. Um, and so that there's, again, I, I don't prescribe that there's one right way. I think there's a time and a place for all of this. Sometimes when we're in mixed groups, um, it could get distracting if people are, are um, not healthy. If their hands aren't clean, then you know, you're going to have drama. You're going to have, mm-hmm. but if you're in a space of wholeness, then it's a different conversation. And so sometimes those segregated groups are necessary just so that we can get the ground zero, just so that I can stop the, you know, it's like, you know, if we look at this whole planet as a hospital, there are emergency rooms, you know, when you're in the emergency room, you you just want to sometimes just stop the bleeding. And then there are specialties if that you go into this, there's general care, and then there's the cancer center. There's, there's acute places where you can get specialized healing. And if your healing is around you know, this whole racism, it takes a specialized conversation. And that's why I started the whole school, which is Earth Purpose Institute, because I wanted to create and give people's tools on how do we navigate this world? How do we do this, this cleanup? together. So it's not just focused on a cultural, uh, our cultural nuances, but it's, it's cross cultural. It's helping us to have the agility, the, the, the nimbleness to be able to have the skills on a foundational level where we can, um, heal together, but it, it, it takes a focus of really understanding who you are. So, so I work in dual in many different space. I still work with with women who support particularly um, African and African American girls, but I work with um, many different cultures. I work with Native American or uh, indigenous women and in variety, I can sit in a multitude of different um, settings because I'm comfortable with who, who I am because you speak many languages to yeah i'm bilingual in, in 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 many ways and i think that that's how you can help is to is to become more um bilingual i think once we understand that everybody is doing the best they can with what they have and i haven't met a person on the planet that doesn't want to be loved accepted and respected period Wow. And so if we understand that, then we can have more compassion on everybody. We are all just a reflection of what we have lived. Hurt people, hurt people, period. We are a reflection of what, what we lived. You want, you know, it's like when when you see children, if you want to know what the ch- wh- who, who the parents are, look at the child. The child will tell you what's going on in that home without saying a word. And so we are all just adult children walking around who've aged, children who've aged out (laughs) and walking around reflecting our experience, reflecting what has happened to us, the stories, the narrative, what's in our cup. It's like the the cup is, is, is transparent so everybody can see what's in your cup, but you can't see it because you're in it. And that's why you have to do the work. That's why mirrors are important. That's why we reflect each other. That's why when someone brings it up, people, we, we have, we're having this collective experience culturally because we need to see each other. What was happening with George Floyd was, didn't just, wasn't an anomaly that just happened. It had been happening all the time and continues to happen, but people couldn't see it. He was the mirror. And I know this is controversial to say, but when it actually happened, when I was, I was in my spiritual self and not my human self. And because I know we're all spiritual beings, literally, before I could even think of what I was saying, the first thing that came out of my mouth when I, I I still couldn't watch the actual footage, but I could hear it. And, you know, it was all of the news. And the first thing I kid you not, that came to my My heart and my mind was thank you for your sacrifice Um, to George Floyd, to the spirit that was George Floyd, because even if you listen to what he had told his little daughter and what he had told his friend when he was like 14 years old, that I'm going to change the world. And we're still talking about it. He did change the world. So who are we to say that he wasn't on divine assignment just as Jesus was on divine assignment to help us to shift. And we didn't even know what Jesus was going to do until some thousands of years later and we're still talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> well George Floyd was one of those that we, we will be forever cha- talking about because he changed, he helped us to see something and a blind spot within our society that some people couldn't see, but we had to be sequestered at home, glued to our televisions without all of the distractions. Nobody missed it. Globally, around the world, the whole world saw it and responded for the first time. So I say thank you for your sacrifice.
0: I definitely do believe that there are people who come into this world who are on divine assignment. And mm-hmm. regardless of if they are accepted by society or well, well perceived or negatively perceived, they did their assignment. And one thing we in Deanna talked about all the time was the fact that regardless of how you felt about Donald Trump, he came in and mm-hmm. he played his role and he played his role well. You know, mm-hmm. I think there was a... Um, there was a there needed to be a perfect storm mm-hmm. for this the, the bigness of race that's being played out right now and I think that mm-hmm. Donald Trump played his role in staring it up and he did it well.
1: Yeah. I mean, we are in the greatest love story ever written. I truly believe that. And just as in any story, if you were to come into a movie and let's say it's one of these like Lord of the Rings where or Star Wars where there's all these different, you know, chapters to this story. And if you were to look at humanity right now and what's going on, it would be, you know, oh, this is terrible, but we don't have the full story. We don't have the full story that he might look like a villain in this one, but then you get further down in, in a different chapter And you'll see, you you have a different perspective and you see, oh, that was necessary. Mm. And because if that hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. So I think it's just too soon to judge. And we're so quick to judge, even though the Bible tells us not to judge. (laughs) (laughs) I think people still want to judge what they see. And and you don't even have the full story. Um, what What we should have is discernment but not judgment where we, you know, just, you, you can rate something of how it feels within your own soul. And I can see things, but I don't necessarily have to, um, what it creates is a lot of empathy and compassion for anybody that thinks they're separate. Anybody that thinks and can, can display that because Donald Trump did just come out of the ashes. He, he, the, he's he mirrored all of the things in our society that we say we don't like, and that we're against. And yet, he's also a part of it. That, that there is a divine essence that's also in 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 him. So that's a hard pill to swallow. That you know there is God also in Donald Trump <laughs> and anybody that we think is totally against us they came from that same ocean water and so when i look at them it's like okay well what what's in your cup that has made you you know that's polluting your cup that's polluting you because there's still divine source energy within you mm-hmm. and so to be able to look at each person and keep looking until you see god that's a big assignment Till you see see the connection until you can see God, then you can have compassion and empathy that everybody is acting out of their experience. Crazy ain't crazy for no reason. Crazy's had some crazy stuff to happen. What helped me to understand Donald Trump, you know, since we were on him and just give him a little bit more airplay when I read his, I think his niece's book. And so I could understand how he was created, what nurtured him, what was in his cup. And so when I see the person, then I, I can understand, not that I can, not, I don't have to agree with it, but I have understanding of it. It's like, oh, okay, I see where you came from. I understand what created you. So what parts, and thank you for that reflection. So what part of me is narcissistic? What parts of me are not compassionate? What parts of me are are, um, self-centered? So everything becomes our teacher if we we allow it, if we allow ourselves to learn the lessons. So it's less judgment, but it's about discernment because I don't make it about him. I make it about me. And what I need to learn through that experience. Wow. I think
0: that is... The perfect place for us Probably. to end the <laughs> podcast, and I think you just summed everything up so well in that in this last conversation, and with that being, look at someone until you see God. Mm-hmm. I think if we were Absolutely. all able to do that as a culture, we would mm-hmm. we would make this change happen. Drastically faster,
1: yeah, absolutely. We would take the spiritual bypass, (laughs) yes, and not go through the muckety muck in the traffic, the accidents, and the road rage.
0: We hereby give you a pass to culturally bypass.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you. Absolutely, the view is
1: much better here.
0: (laughs) It is, it is. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It has been phenomenal.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Thank Mm -hmm. you. I really have enjoyed the conversation and um, wishing you so much joy in this next chapter of your life that's coming up.
0: Thank you so much.